Hi, I'm Shona. Um, I'm going to talk to you today about the day that my life changed forever. But in a way, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Um, so I accepted a job back in the city centre of Bristol. And this was after I'd had a breakdown three years earlier. And I'd now recovered from that breakdown. And I had to think long and hard about whether I wanted to accept a high-flying job back in the legal world. And if you imagine, if you've, if you've seen that film Sliding Doors, your life can go one way. You know, you take one direction and your life goes in one way, or you go through another set of doors and it goes another way. Well, in hindsight, I wish I'd stayed in the job that I had done. Although I wouldn't be where I was today if I had done that. I took the high-flying legal job back in Bristol and to be fair the first nine months was great and um, it did wonders for my self-esteem. I won Employee of the Quarter Award and I my, my self-esteem went from strength to strength. Finally in the years that I'd been beaten down um, by a previous line manager in a different job where he'd made me feel like I was incompetent, that I wasn't a good lawyer. I started to get that self-respect back and I now was telling myself I was a good lawyer after all um, and I felt like I deserved to be there. Unfortunately, um, on the 21st of February 2017, uh, nine months into that role, whilst uh, cycling into work from Portishead into Bristol, um, I had a serious cycling accident. Uh, I can't remember a lot about it. Um, from what I was told from witnesses who saw the accident, my front wheel hit a wet patch on the road, just very, very quickly went out from under my bike and I went over the handlebars and my face took the impact of the force. I was wearing a helmet, thankfully, and please, I encourage everyone to wear helmets because my helmet did save my life. Um, it was completely split down the middle. And I was knocked unconscious for about 20 minutes and I came around in an ambulance. I hadn't even realised the uh, significance of my injuries. I was telling the uh, paramedics to take me to work because I felt really guilty having only been there for a few months. Um, and I remember this intense pain in my, in my hand on my right hand side. I thought, oh my God, my fingers really hurt. Uh, I hadn't even, and I hadn't seen my face at this point. I, I knew there was a bit of blood because I could feel it trickling down my face. But I hadn't realised um, the severity of the injuries, apart from when the paramedics started asking me some memory questions. They asked me my name and apparently I gave them my maiden name. Um, they asked me my date of birth and I couldn't remember my bit, my date of birth, but I could remember my daughter's. And then they asked me my address and I had no idea where I lived, but I could remember an address from three houses I lived in before, which was most odd. So yeah, they wouldn't take me to work. Anyway, I got to hospital, got, I don't know, rushed into some area, had uh, an assessment, some CT scans. And I remember the surgeon, or one of the consultants, somebody anyway, coming out and um, telling me they've got good news and bad news. And I thought, oh, the good news is it's going to be my face and my head and stuff is all right. And my, my hand or my fingers have been broken because they, they really hurt. And, and he said, oh, we've got good, uh, the good news is you haven't broken your fingers, but the bad news is 
you've broken nearly every bone in your face and fractured your skull. So I'm like, wow, okay. So I, I had to go up to some ward and um, unfortunately I deteriorated quite a bit over the next uh, couple of days and um, I had some pressure on my skull uh, where I had some fluid. Anyway, I won't go into too much detail there, but in essence I was given a 20% chance of survival. Um, and when some of the pressure went down, about two weeks later, I underwent major re uh, facial reconstructive surgery. And I've now had my whole left-hand side of my face completely rebuilt with uh, titanium plates and metal. And I've earned the name Bionic uh, because with me teaching spin classes, we have nicknames for our heart rate straps. So mine's, uh, mine's become Bionic because I've got more metal in me than bone, which is a bit of a joke because I've uh, also got a metal stent in my heart and uh, some in my knee from previous surgery when I was, when I was a child. So uh, yes, I do bleep when I go through the airports. Anyway, I um, I didn't die because I'm still here. Uh, another another uh, battle with death from day one, where I was told I wouldn't survive the night. But you know, I I think what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I've I've actually just recently had a had a tattoo done on my leg, which says, "Without struggle, there can be no progress." And that actually is very true. I think the the more knockbacks you get, the stronger you 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 come back. Well, that's certainly the way I feel in life. Anyway. But um, I took six months off work and recovering. Um, on, and the first few months, I've got to be honest, was, was pretty awful. I had to have my, uh, my jaw pinned back together. So the most I could eat was, uh, was smoothies and soup. Um, I was very unwell. I was literally everything I ate, I was being sick. I spent a lot of time in and out of hospital. I lost a lot of weight. Um, not the best way to lose weight, guys. And I went to some very low places again, mainly as well because I'm massively into my fitness and I couldn't do anything. And it, it kind of made me realize that my hobbies always, everything always involves some form of exercise, whether it was going for a walk or going for a run or climbing, doing anything. And I couldn't even walk. 10 meters without being sick or collapsing I was I was very very unwell but I looked at um, every time I got a negative thought I thought of three positive thoughts and picked myself up again found my mindfulness again um, stopped worrying about the future and I actually found my inner calm again um, and I found a little guitar upstairs which my husband got given to him and turned YouTube on and taught myself how to play the guitar on YouTube and then my daughter learnt with me as well and we started uh, looking at our favourite songs my daughter's were Katy Perry, mine were the Foo Fighters and we started learning all the chords um, and we, we taught ourselves together and it was great because we had something to do together as well uh, anyway, I got assessed by Occupational Health um, my employers at that point were really supportive. They were coming out to see me all the time. I was getting inundated with calls, messages of support, people um, sending me gifts and cards. And it, and it was great. Oh, by the way, I was also left deaf in my left ear for the first year and a bit after the accident as well because the the excess fluid and um, pressure on my, um, on my ears. Um, so... That was that, yeah, that was tough. So I explained to my employers that I needed to have, I wouldn't be able to wear um, 
an earpiece, uh, sorry, a head headset uh, when I went back to work because we, we would have to wear a headset to take calls and I wasn't going to be able to manage that because um, I'd had 60 stitches and staples around my hairline where they um, did part of the surgery. So that was all supposed to be arranged for me when I went back. Anyway, day one, get back to the office um, and there's no earpiece arranged for me. So that was the first test. I also worked in an open plan office and my desk was right next to the main canteen area and the walk walkthrough. So I'm, I'm straight back onto the phones and supposed to be on a phased return back to work. But we were really busy so I ended up working more than the few hours that I was supposed to work that day because I was the most senior lawyer there or one of the most senior lawyers there and they needed me to take on the extra calls and help out with the emails. But I also had to have all my calls and emails checked for the first few months back, bearing in mind that I'd been a lawyer by this point for 20 years because I'd had head injuries and they were worried about my, my health and safety, which, okay, fair enough. But I really did feel micromanaged. And the problem I had was I had to pick up the, head, the handset from the phone and I was still recovering from the fracture at the base of my skull, still having physio on my neck three times a week. And I really struggled with having to balance the, the phone set, the, the handset, between my shoulders and, my, and my, my head whilst writing and typing at the same time. Um, and that hurt. Eventually they did get me an earpiece, but that was, it kept on falling off and I could, it was really faint so I could hardly hear what people were saying to me on the phone and I'd have to ask them to repeat what they were saying. Um, so my call lengths were longer and my line manager struggled to fathom how I was taking so long and she was saying, when are we going to get the old Shona back? Why are you struggling to hear what people are saying? And then she'd listen to the call and she'd say, well, I didn't have a problem hearing what the person was saying and I'd be like yeah but you're not partially deaf or she'd take me off into a room and we'd listen to the call together and in a quiet room when she'd play the call back I'd be able to hear what the person was saying but then we didn't have the distractions of everybody else in the room talking people in the canteen talking it wasn't noisy and I'd have to explain myself um and it was constant criticism. My emails weren't apparently um, as, as well put together and thought out as before, or my style wasn't the same as, as my line manager's style, so there was constant criticism there. Um, and very soon the panic attack started to return, which I suffered from a few years previously, and my fibromyalgia episodes started to come back and my company which I worked for were well aware that I suffered from fibromyalgia anyway because I, I was honest with them from from day one well from the day I had the interview um, and that would make me feel quite exhausted for the rest of the day and my health started my, my mental health started to uh, to become an issue again I, I just found that my performance wasn't as good and um, I got di diagnosed with episodic depression. And that was in the same week as Mental Health Awareness Week in, um, in 2018. Um, and my line manager got hold of the report and she called me into her office and she said, you know, I've got a real concern now that you've had this additional diagnosis on top of the physical injuries you've had. So, uh, you know, we're either going to put you on a performance improvement plan until you're better 
or basically you can leave. So um, I was quite stunned by that because I knew that they really they couldn't do that. So um, the next day I, I went to the doctors, got myself signed off with work-related stress. And, you know, outside of work, I was in a really good place. I was probably more positive than I'd ever been. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was overworked when I was at that company, but I think it was just the way that there was that expectation on me to, to be back to my full self. There was no reasonable adjustments made within the company. It was all on me to just get better um, and it constantly explain myself. And there was no recognition of the fact that I was struggling mentally. And then when I was signed off, it was the alienation which I struggled with. So I didn't get any calls, any messages, any um, support from, from the company I worked with. Not a single colleague that I worked with uh, said, are you okay? Um, you know, do you, want, do you want to meet up for a coffee? And even people deleted me off Facebook, including actually my line manager, which I found, wow, okay. How is that going to help when I go back to work? Um, and when you when you train as an NLP practitioner and a mindfulness coach, you're told not you know you are not your thoughts. But even I struggled with that because I couldn't help but worry about well, what are people going to say when I go back to the office? And you know, I I I, I just couldn't deal with that. Um, and I did some research with Mind UK and Deloitte, and they actually say that if you've been off work with work-related stress or some form of mental health issue um, for six weeks or more, it's something like 90% likely that you're not going to go back. And I think that businesses can change this so much by keeping in contact with the employee. Ask the employee what they want. Don't just assume that the employee doesn't want contact. Um, I mean, Mind UK did some research into this and they it was actually with a lawyer. And a lawyer was coming back to work after having um, about six months off with a mental health issue. Um, and the way that they dealt with it is they um, they invited the employee out for, uh, for, for dinner with the line manager the day before his return. And then they had um, a coffee and donuts party on his first day back to break the ice. And apparently that's what they do with all members of staff now at this place. Well, again, personally, I don't think that works for everyone. It might have worked for that one person. But in my, in, for me, in my case, I couldn't have imagined, imagined anything worse than going out for, uh, for dinner with my line manager the day before my return after being deleted off Facebook by her. Um, and I wouldn't have wanted a coffee and donuts party. Some people just want a quiet return. I think what would have worked for me in my situation is, again, communicating with me and asking me what I wanted. But... For, and I think in my personal situation, maybe like a night out going bowling or something with the team, that would have broken the ice, that would have helped. But every individual is different. So the only advice here I would give to every employer, every organisation out there is communication is the key. Don't just assume that your employee doesn't want to be contacted. Um, but from from what I learned from that, I realised that that accident was probably meant to have happened for a reason because I wasn't going to let another company treat me badly and control me. I went away, got requalified. I realised I was good at helping other people. Um, I got some mental health qualifications. I did my NLP training. I completed my master's um, in mindfulness. 
I did my life coaching diploma. I did some, I finished off my nutrition qualifications. Um, and now I spend my time coaching on a one-to-one basis, um, helping people who have been in the same position as me. Um, I do talks on mental health awareness and in stigma on mental health because for me that's massive and I'm so passionate about it and I encourage people to talk and and I've just started a mental health foundation with uh, a chap called David Cottrell who's an ex-professional footballer and we are making changes all the time so you know that's my story to date and there will be other podcasts to come about mental health and, and our mental health foundation and how that's helping people but I hope I've offered some insight here into stigma on mental health and also bravery as well. Take care, guys.